You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Welcome into the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I'm Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode, joined by my friend Brent Bergerum. How are you, Brent? Hey, doing well and uh, surviving all sorts of good stuff like selling a home and stuff like that too. So yeah. on top of everything else going on, we have a contract on our home. So that's kind of Ooh, exciting too. That is exciting. Very, very yeah. exciting. Well, congratulations. That's uh, Thank you. It's not a process I'm anxious to go through anytime soon. <laughs> oh, goodness. What, a, what an ordeal. I hate it. Uh, you know, this involved with obviously every, you know, restriction we, we most people have, you know, on their lives due to the, the COVID type stuff. And right. then uh, trying to finish up a school year and, uh, you know, <laughs> it's all right. It's going good. And uh, we're going to get through it just fine. <laughs> Very good. I'm glad That's to hear that. myself. <laughs> And we're going to talk about what you've been doing to keep yourself busy with uh, with your photography-related projects. That, that's going to be fun. Um, I've been doing my own projects. I've Actually, yeah. this year, I have had more clients um, contact me for shoots than I ever have. And I think it's partly because of COVID-19 and, and the... The way that they normally got photos uh, wasn't available to them, and so mm. now they're they're getting them, and uh, so it's, it's been sort of an interesting thing there. Or maybe it's because my work's getting better. Who knows? I don't know. But for whatever reason, I'm having like a massive amount of client shoots, uh, almost wow. more than I can handle <laughs> and fit into my, oh my. And fit into my life. Um, and I really want to do it because most of them are for seniors. Most of them are for people yeah. who are graduating high school this year. I feel so bad for all of those seniors and like they've been robbed <laughs> of their senior year essentially. Um, and so, so I really want to fit them all in. I want to do my best on with all of them. Um, if we have some time, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about one of my, one of the shoots I just did that was really fun and, and the setup of it. But I want to get into this first. You, I want to talk about something that I, I don't even know what it is yet. So you're going to have to help me with this, Brent, something with shooting fruits and vegetables and yes. a, a, maybe, a, I don't know how you came up with the project or whatever, but why don't you tell us about it? What is this? So this project actually does come from a while ago and um, I was wanting to test a, a unique way to test out a new macro lens that I had just acquired, the Canon 180. And I was just like, what can I do? And I remember seeing something online about doing something crazy with fruit and lighting it internally. Uh -huh. And I thought to myself, that would be a lot of fun. Kind of like I a want pumpkin to at Halloween light it from the inside, and then photograph whatever it's going to do for me. So that's basically what we're talking about here. So kind of like a pumpkin at Halloween. Kind of like a pumpkin at Halloween, although certainly with a pumpkin, you're carving out the the complete shell, oh, as okay. it were. You're carving through the skin. Yeah. And with these things, you're not carving all the way through it, and you're just letting the the natural, shall we say, tones and natural density and whatnot. Of, of the fruit or the vegetable, because I have one of each in this, in what we're going to talk about. You just let those natural colors, let those natural densities, those whatever it is, you just let it kind of come through rather than carving something specifically into it. But yeah, that's the same idea of, of what we're talking about. And certainly with a pumpkin, you would need like a mega spotlight or something to to punch light all the way through that skin. But 
but yeah, that's that's the basic idea of it. Okay, all right. So I, um, are you hollowing everything out then and, and trying to get as skin as small a skin as possible? So that is kind of the the magic you know, experimentation sauce, if you will, about a project like this. Because when you want to do this, certainly you need it thin enough for the light to travel through. Yeah. But you can't have it so thin that, of course, it just falls apart and and whatever else. So I, I chose a pineapple and I chose a cabbage. And I figured, especially with the cabbage, I would be able to remove a layer at a time and you know, just kind of get out the core, the stem core. And then as you peel it away from the inside and leaving as much as possible, the outside intact, you then can make it thinner layer by layer. And then with a pineapple, it was definitely, you know, not as easy to do it that way, but you're able to still scoop out a little more each time if you needed to go a little thinner on that wall. And so what I ended up doing with a pineapple basically I just kind of cut a a starting point in the bottom and then I used a drill bit that is made for drilling like a like a 1-inch hole or something like that. Uh-huh. It's basically like a paddle drill bit. And I just went to channel with it just go whoosh, and it was done in like, you know, half a second because okay. the pineapple just disintegrated inside, yeah. The, the inside of the pineapple, yeah. yeah, basically disintegrated with that. And then you just got to go back through it and carefully scoop out with a large spoon just enough stuff. So, again, it still has its shape. It still is, you know, not going to just be flippy floppy or whatever. Uh, but you can still then get the light to come through it and have the, the radiant light shining through. Huh. Okay, so with the pineapple, you didn't have to do more than just the inch? Or was that really the inch was was already most of the pineapple. So yeah, that's that was the starting and then you got to go in. That's just to drill the core out because that core is that thickest yeah. portion of the pineapple for sure. Uh-huh. And you know, cuz that's the part usually at least my wife cuts that part out and so when we're eating pineapple, that's the part that's just tossed to the wayside because it's really fibrous and and not very delicious. But uh so that's the part that I drilled out and then you go through and this is very messy, of course, because oh, that yeah. drill, you know, is just, it's just going like crazy. And pineapple bits are flying everywhere. And so you're also trying to hold that pineapple, kind of cradling it like a football. And then yeah. you're just taking this, you know, this drill and just going right into it. And <laughs> it just pulls all that flesh of the pineapple out mega quick. And you want just want to make sure you don't go so fast with it. But then once that's all done... Certainly, you go back with that spoon and you widen the hole a little bit so your light bulb can fit in because you got to be able to fit a light bulb in there. Yeah. And then you just keep getting it thinner and thinner. And then you also got to think about how deep are you going, you know, up into the the pineapple because you want to get as much of that height as possible so you have a maximum amount of, you know, where it's actually coming through. Because, you know, a pineapple, what are they probably nine to 12 inches tall, maybe a little bit taller sometimes, Uh but in that neighborhood of how tall they are. And, you know, your average light bulb is probably only five inches tall. So you want to get that thing shoved up in there far enough so that it can have a maximum amount of light spread as it were. And, and you can have maximum flexibility with what you're shooting once it gets all set up. I have this vision now of you like being a a fruit ninja (laughs) (laughs) 
and, yeah, so and, that, like that and whacking the bottom off, off of the, the pineapple so that you could get up in there with the drill. And that's funny. You have to surgically remove that, though, because certainly if you're just going slicey, slicey, you're just going to get different pictures. The kind that we're looking for here is just to say, okay, we're going to take that fruit, in this case, the pineapple, and I just want it to radiate light from yeah. within. Yeah. And that, I mean, when I got this, these results, you know, I looked at them on the computer. I was just like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> I, was, I was just, well, certainly you see it on the back of the camera too, but you know, and it's nice and big on the computer. Just like, yeah, this is, this is all right. I like this. Huh. Interesting. Were you testing along the way then? Like as soon as you got enough room to get the bulb in there, did you, yeah. you try it and be like, well, I still got to take more out because I don't see enough light. And then you, you like take the fruit back off and scrape it some more. And is that kind of the, the process? Yeah, I think this was a while ago. So forgive me. I don't have the, you know, the, all the details fresh at my fingertips. But what I remember being the case was just trying to uh, get it a little bit deeper uh, the, my, my first thing, I think the, the thickness of the wall, I was getting okay. And, and I, on this pineapple, I probably was able to leave it at about a half of an inch thick. I want to think between uh, three eighths to a half of an inch thick or so. And then I, um, just not getting it deep enough initially. And so I just had to go and scoop out more up into the pineapple. And again, just not getting it so f close to the tip where it gets unnaturally bright towards the top where the, you know, those spine, whatever's are coming out, uh, the leaves are coming out. So that was the only thing I uh, would have had to, I remember having to work on a little bit. Okay. And the bulb itself, like I, you can't just like <laughs> take a lamp and put a pineapple on top of it. How, how, how are no, you getting you this bulb in risk, there? Well, electric shock, number one. Okay. So, right. you know, I'm going to divulge myself, wash my hands of any responsibility <laughs> here. People need to take responsibility, of course, for, for what they're doing. Yeah. But, uh, so what I did was um, I chose a compact fluorescent bulb uh -huh. because it just simply does not get anywhere near as hot as a standard incandescent. And so if you're still having, you know, most of our bulbs are not incandescent these days anyway, right. but certainly they're still available. And they give you, I mean, the incandescent, there's, there's something that's just nice about them because they just give you a beautiful glow and it's a universal dispersion of the light where a compact fluorescent is nearly the same behavior. Yeah. And and so that's nice too. I like I would love to try this with an LED, but you know, with your standard light bulb replacement LEDs, they tend to not have the like if you were to hold a light bulb on its base and it were, you know, you're just holding it up so the globe of the light bulb is up. There's usually on these LEDs there's a there's some kind of that mechanism where it's changing the electricity from the AC to the DC that's in the stem and so the light doesn't come back into that area and so with an LED while it would be even cooler you're just not going to have the even light dispersion that you have with a compact fluorescent so yeah. that's why I went with a standard compact fluorescent and well also back then we just didn't have as many LEDs as we do today so I, I want to rant for just a second here yes <laughs> it has nothing Go to do it. with photography, but why? Okay, the promise of LED, as I understand it, was these things are way more energy efficient and they're going to last 20 years, right? Isn't that what they're Ideally. supposed to do? <laughs> why is it that yes. I still replacing light bulbs every year? I don't, I, I, I've had <laughs> LED lights put it, I moved in this house in 2013. We put all LED lights in when we did. 
and I am replacing these things. It feels like every single year. Am I doing something wrong? <laughs> well, yeah. So I'm not certainly an electrician or anything like that. I would presume it sounds to me like you're the the LED thing itself is probably still good. I would imagine it's the converter that's gone bad. Yeah. And that's what I would guess well, anyway because that's usually what happens with your fluorescent bulbs too it's yes, like, you know the gas yes. inside the fluorescent doesn't go bad it's the it's the mechanism that lights the gas yeah and they just start but flickering yeah. that's kind of the the behavior why i have to change it because they won't just stay on all the time they're flickering like mad oh that would be so annoying yeah uh, okay I rant over i just i <laughs> i spent more money when i moved into this house to make it leds because i thought that was gonna be a big deal and i didn't want to change light bulbs for 20 years i was really looking forward to that and yeah wouldn't that be awesome that has not been the case for me <laughs> not at all uh i don't well, think they last any longer than than normal incandescent bulbs but anyway all right yeah. rant over let, let's continue on so are you were you using it wasn't just like a standard lamp fixture thing was it what was the fixture that you're using to get the light bulb powered yeah so they sell these little devices that simply have a plug and then it's a converter if you will it's a little it just has a plug like you can plug into the wall uh -huh. and then you just screw a light bulb into it. So okay. it costs you like three bucks or something like that. I don't know exactly. Um, but so you, you, you take an extension cord, certainly you plug that into the wall, you run that to uh, you, you run that extension cord to your place in your studio where you have it set up. And then, uh, you know, once you mount the light bulb in there, um, which I should, backtrack just a little bit too you definitely want to cover the light bulb with some plastic wrap <laughs> okay. or some or something right. else because especially now it wasn't so bad with that cabbage because the, the cabbage is basically dry but that pineapple is so juicy it just continues to ooze and drip and then when you heat it up with the light it's like even more so <laughs> okay so uh protect it and and i and i had lots of extra plastic wrap to protect all those connections from the extension cord to the socket in just making sure that that you know, was not going to get a lot of juice in there and that it was able to continue dripping down and then you shove it up in there and then you turn on the light because that's another thing that it does get warm. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, you know, obviously it's not going to get as hot as an incandescent. I know that, but I just still didn't want that shock. If I had the light bulb on and it was getting hot and all this other stuff, number one, would it get hot enough to melt the plastic or number two, yeah. uh, you know, when the glass touches the cold liquid, it could shatter. Again, it's probably not that hot, but just being abundantly careful, <laughs> I guess you could say. So I wanted to have the whole mechanism, the fruit and everything, heat up at the same time. So I shoved it up in there, flicked the light on, and started shooting. Okay. All right, I see. Cabbage. So I want to go back now. I, I can totally yeah. envision doing this with the pineapple, drilling up the, the bottom of the pineapple, getting some stuff out. You have like some some uh, fleshy fruit kind of stuff that you could scoop out, but it has that hard exterior that's going to really keep its yeah. shape well. So I kind of get yeah. that with cabbage. That seems like that would lose its shape in a hurry. 
would fall apart. Yeah, so I wanted something to, you know, I wanted two items that would certainly be accessible and fun and all sorts of stuff like that. But when it came to the vegetable idea, I was just like, well, obviously broccoli is not going to work. And I'm just, you know, going through some of these different things. And I settled on lettuce initially or an onion even. I would love to do an onion. But the onion is just too small. Yeah, Yeah. And... If I now that's where an LED might come into play really well, if I can get a small LED that's bright enough, or like and a, then a flashlight, then remove, yeah, like some of those flashlights or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that might work out really well, and I have yet to try that. But so the cabbage, it's big enough, and then it's also dense enough because unlike lettuce, those leaves in the cabbage are really, really. Uh, interleaved really tightly, I guess you can say, whereas okay. the the lettuce tends to be a lot more wrinkly, you know, on a leaf-by-leaf leaf basis. The further you get inside, the more wrinkly it becomes. And I then see. also it tends to just flake off really easily on the outside as well, whereas cabbage, the first two flake off pretty easily. But if it's a pretty fresh cabbage, that thing is generally pretty solid. And so with that, I just took a knife and cut out the stem and then I just started even further, going further, very slowly with a knife. And this one definitely started to become way less solid because you do have all those interacting leaves, those, you know, where they're just coming in and whatever else they're laying on top of each other. But I also didn't have to take out nearly as much as I had feared I would have to. It definitely held its shape pretty good. And I was able to get that light shining through and... Of course, it's nowhere near as wet, so it was a lot easier to just handle and deal with and and set up and whatnot. Right. Okay, and I guess I was envisioning – I had in my head more of like iceberg lettuce, so I I guess that's what it is. Because I can't imagine – being able to core out an iceberg lettuce like at all, it would just like disintegrate. <laughs> no, that yes, exactly. That and that's the, I think the major difference, you know, between that lettuce and the cabbage is, yeah, the lettuce is totally going to just. You you take out two or three layers and it's just gonna all fall apart yeah, on you. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I'm with you. All right. So you have this special attachment, like power connector with the socket on the end. You screw the light bulb in it. You're sticking it up inside the vegetable. So that kind of takes care of of that. Now, yeah. how are you shooting these things? Like, are they the the pineapple? I imagine you're trying to get it to stand upright. Is that that right? <laughs> Yes, I definitely wanted it to stand upright, or at least to be shown as standing upright. Yeah. Because, you know, you can rotate anything. Um, I ended up actually uh, mounting it or holding it on a in a certain area with, with a hole in the table, or I forget exactly what it was, but I had a little area where the cord could, could dangle out the bottom. And so I was able to prop it up just right so I could get it. And, and I was able to get, I think, I'm trying to look at these examples, which are going to be in the Facebook group and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, I don't think I ever photographed the exact bottom of the of the right. fruit because, you know, that's where the light was coming out. But you could probably, yeah, that's, that's that'd be a little bit tough to do. I suppose if you were to go in a little bit at, on the side, on one of the sides, you could make it look like the bottom was fairly solid. Right. But I don't know. Or going in, like, you know, the back, not that there's a front and a back, but from your shooting perspective, going in the back yeah. of it. So the going light the back will, side. Yeah. You could totally do that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that might even make it a little easier to do. Um, I don't know. 
You might get. I, I just went in from the bottom. Might get hot spots in the middle of it more or something if because it feels probably probably because you're you're um well first off you would have light leak out the backside so whatever is behind your fruit is going to be lit up yeah and then also uh it probably would not be as evenly carved out so you would have probably some hot spots coming through with this piece being a little more brighter than that section over there or whatever the case is and with the example i have here too we can still see how i had a little bit further to go on the top side of it right right and it just wasn't illuminating out the top side like it was you know on the sides but i have a good probably 75 to 80 percent of the height of the pineapple is fully illuminated and glowing it's cool I would if I had, if I didn't know the story of the image, the pineapple, the one that has most of the pineapple in it is what I'm talking about right now. Uh, I would be wondering like, what is going on here? <laughs> how did how did this get lit? It's really what I just love about the this type. You know, it it does definitely give you a different perspective on it, and so we don't normally see this type of perspective. But those little spikies that are coming out on the edge of the pineapple, you know, the, the things that make it difficult to handle. Yeah. They, what are they like little leaves or something like I that? Anyway. The... So they each have their own little quadrant. That's basically like a Pentagon shape, just about, or a star shape, just about. And so those lines, those separating lines from all those things are just glowing brilliantly. And so you can see all these connecting lines. And when you look at a pineapple normally, you just do not see those. No. And so for those to be highlighted and coming out, it's just like, oh, wow. And then because I was, you know, testing the macro, you know, I got some really close in and close up. So you get a really good, strong feeling of the texture. But then again, that it's like the mantle of the earth is cracking open and it's just flowing with lava kind of a thing. Although it, obviously it's not lava, but exactly. that it's just this little crack where it's just oozing out light. Exactly and what I, just, I was saying. I was thinking. Oh, it was, it's just so cool. <laughs> it, it looks like it's a pineapple made out of lava. That's And the, yeah. the top is like <laughs> the top of the volcano that's about to burst open and the magma is all coming. It, wow. Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. Okay, yeah. So shooting the camera settings and and how did how did you set up to get the shot camera wise? Right. So uh, certainly I was tripod mounted uh, to just kind of go for consistency of the shot and things like that. But I definitely recommend doing something like this in manual focus. Really, it's it's about just more in the lines in what I'm looking at because I was using a macro lens and we're getting quite close to the subject. Uh-huh. And whenever I'm shooting macro, there's just too much. With a macro lens, is a little different than when I'm shooting with my um, extension tubes. But I don't know. It just helps slow me down a little bit, and I and I know I'm going to get consistent nailing of that focus. There's just the shallow depth of field is so shallow that. To rely on the camera to consistently achieve a good focusing every single time with this type of situation where the lighting is totally different and all this stuff, I just didn't know what to expect. I'm just like, I'm just going to do manual and I'm going to be able to look at it on this camera screen. I'll be able to zoom in and be able to tell exactly what's in focus. And I'm just going to go manual focus and just run with it and, and be done with it like that. So I would still recommend manual focus for something like this because, again, you're your whole idea of, of trying to do a, a normal focus is just kind of, it's just, just so different. And probably today's, you know, this was done with a 
uh, 6D, uh, original 6D. So yeah, I guess it was probably all right. It wasn't yeah. a, wasn't um, a fairly advanced AF system, but today's cameras would probably be better. But you know, it's still okay. Sure. Okay. And then I was looking at the histogram for sure, uh, like I do most of the time when I'm shooting, uh, is paying attention to my exposure and taking a look at the histogram. And what I'm really trying to certainly do there, especially in those ridges where the, the light is just oozing through, I don't want that to go too bright because then it's just going to be you know obtusely bright. You know, I wanted it to feel like it was glowing, but not like it was just you know, about ready to explode kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I, I just wanted it to kind of have that peaceful oozing of light where it's just like, oh, this is kind of cool rather than, <laughs> oh, what's going on kind right, of a thing. Okay. So that it's always just watching histogram so it wouldn't just blow, you know, too terribly far out there. And then I would just say zoom in, get some of those abstractions going, get the overall feel for sure of the shot. But zoom in and get some of these abstractions and concentrate on the texture, uh, maybe the, the different forms and shapes that you can create and isolate. And what was really interesting with the cabbage, too, there were some areas where, you know, the leaves are very wrinkly. And so they change in density with those wrinkliness, if you want to call it that. <laughs> and they just create a very different ethereal feeling and you know i have some images where it's you know the whole globe if you will of the cabbage and you can see how the overlaying layers is adding to the density of it but then i zoomed in on some of the items where we're following a single line you know from one thing overlapping the other leaf and then getting in zoomed in more and then another section where it's just massive amounts of variance in the density of the leaf itself. And that creates lots of different densities in the light that's coming through. Right. And then you get to see the veins coming through as well. And there's just a lot of really cool stuff going on. These, these were fairly, let me look back in Lightroom and see what my exposures exactly were. Because on, on that last one I was describing, um, I'm at F18 and one eighth of a second at 100 ISO. So I wanted that F18 on the on the aperture because I just wanted all of those items to be in focus. Right, and right. you know, I'm probably let's see, the closest focusing distance on this lens is about 12 inches or so, maybe a little bit more than that. And so I was probably maybe 12 to 18 inches away from the subject, uh, probably closer to 18 inches away. Um, so it's a fair distance, a 180 millimeter lens. I just really wanted a lot of depth of field. So I just decided, you know, I've got all the time in the world because right. it's a, it's a tripod mounted shot. And so an eighth of a second, not a big deal. And so I decided to run with uh, F18 to give me a, a maximum amount of depth of field with that. Wow. Super cool. And it would be so fun to see, especially with the pineapple. My favorite is the full profile of the pineapple. I like that one the yeah. very best. That's just so interesting. And um, you had in the show notes, and I agree, it would be really fun to see about adding some some light, some rim light yes. to the pineapple. Would That would just take it to the next level. That's the one thing I didn't do. I do have a flash on this shot that you're talking about, but it's off to the side. It's camera right. 
approximately 90 degrees camera right. And it might be a little bit further than that. But anyway, it's not very brilliant. It's not set to, you know, it's just to give you so you don't have just this thing ending in black right. sea of nothing. You know, I just wanted to give it, oh, yes, there's the top of the pineapple. But if I had taken it all the way back around the backside and then just shot that thing like crazy with a lot of light, then every single one of those little items down the side, all of these little leaves up top, everything would just have that extra rim glow around it. And that would probably just make it go yeah. No, I Perfection. agree. For sure. So, yes, I have, to, I have a little bit more work to do on that, but but uh, maybe someone else can uh take it up and and post something in the in the Facebook group if they want to. It's how you can initiate your new house. You're going to go you're going to yeah. go drill out a pineapple in your in That's your kitchen. Right. <laughs> and I also like I went purposefully out of focus on those too because the pattern that yeah. it was creating was just amazing, and it makes it a great background for something like your cell phone background or something like that. We have these dark spots, and then they're rimmed around with those you know, brighter areas, and it's just way out of focus and blurry. That, that's just kind of fun, too. It's kind of a, an interesting uh, feature, I guess you can say, uh, with looking at just looking at it in a different way. Yeah, no, I agree. That's It's a fun thing. If you're going to be in there, you're going to be doing this whole experiment. You may as well try to get as many different types of shots out of it as you can. Absolutely. And, you know, this this shot, let, let's see how long this shoot. I'm going to look at my timestamps here and see exactly, if I can, how long I spent shooting the pineapple. So I started at 2.49 in the afternoon, and the last one was done at 3.02. So it's only about 10 or 15 minutes that I spent shooting this. So, you know, as you're kind of looking at things, I guess one of the things I'm really wanting to stress here is the safety factor. That light bulb is in conditions that are not normal. It is heating up, and just because it doesn't normally get as hot as a standard light bulb, it's still going to get hotter than it normally would simply because... It's encased in this thing that's not allowing it to breathe, and you have that plastic on there. So it's just something I want to, I guess, extra emphasize with the safety factor. On the um, on the cabbage, I ended at two thirty four p.m. and I started at two eighteen. So that one was a you know about the same time frame, fifteen uh-huh. twenty minutes somewhere in there, and. Um, so it didn't take too long to get the shooting done. It was all about all in the planning and all in the prep, I guess you could say. Yeah. Hollowing out a pineapple. It takes some time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, that part goes, it can go quicker than you expect. Um, but yeah, and then the actually the last one is uh, I decided to shoot the very rim or the very edge of it. So those, you know, those little leaf pieces, you know, they're in every other shot, they're coming directly towards you. I was like, well, what about those ones on the very edge. And so they're reaching out into space as it were in this black background space. And, you know, even that it's just, again, just a different look. All this light is coming from inside of it. And you just, if you didn't know it was a pineapple, you would probably be like, I don't know what I'm looking at. This is just weird. Yeah. Like the very, some of the last macro shots you have in the show notes and we'll, we'll put into show notes on the, on the website. You couldn't tell the, that's a pineapple. I'd be looking at it like, what is this thing? What yeah, is, what is yeah. this photo of? Because it's a macro down right in onto those 
barbs, I guess you'd call them, on the outside of a pineapple that I think are to yeah. help make it so it doesn't get eaten. <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. So, so it protects the pineapple. But those barbs that are kind of naturally on the outside of the pineapple, it's, it's a, a close-up of those, a, a macro shot of those at a level where, yeah, if, if I didn't know, didn't go into this knowing that was a pineapple, I'd be like, what is this thing? How is this lit? Yeah. And I'd be trying to think about how did you light like with the flash from the outside, I'd be trying to think of that, be, but yeah. it, but it has a totally different lighting look to it that you couldn't get with a flash on the outside. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. This is that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Something I've never ever thought of doing to cut a hole in a vet, in a fruit or vegetable and try to put a light inside it. So. It it was it was a load of fun and it didn't take that long and um you know i've i've had some thoughts you know if, if we weren't trying to sell our house i would have been working in the studio a little more these last couple of weeks but um you know other things that i've seen people do whether it's you know slicing stuff like oranges and putting it on a light table and things like that you know I, i've i've wanted to do something like that too but still trying to think how can i bring that to a different level and I would probably vary the the thicknesses of things like that and and just just get in there and experiment with it and see what happens and I think that would um you're gonna find something that's cool I'm sure it just takes a little bit of getting your fingers wet and and going at it that's cool all right well now let's give the challenge out to the 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 Facebook group. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's see who takes this come, up. <laughs> come come up with whether it's a pineapple, a cabbage, or anything else. Let's see what you got. Shooting fruits and veggies. And yeah, that'd be really cool to to see what uh, the listeners can do because you know, we ran that that photo contest. And we're not saying this is another photo no, contest, no, right, but right. we saw lots of amazing talent in our pool of listeners here. And oh man, that'd be just so cool to see what others uh, can do with something like this be inspired and, and go do your own thing with it that'd be awesome for sure yeah i'd love to see it too so that that'd be great if if you've got one we'd love to have you add to the comments on this post when i put it in facebook uh the post for this episode uh add in a comment there any images that you might take and even if it's a little bit of time and you want to share it later um that's one that i will approve uh going forward as an image all by itself if if you've got sure. one if you went to the effort to do all that you deserve a, a little spotlight <laughs> to be able to, to see that uh it's really cool i i like it a lot this is this is pretty neat um by the way the photo contest um brent i don't know have you had any luck getting a hold of the winner of your your prize Actually, no, I was going to literally do that today. I was going to reach out today because it's just been crazy busy um, and I kept forgetting to do that. So, yeah, I was going to look up in the show notes and and see who that was so okay. I could reach out to them. I have and, reached and out to going. mine and I have not heard from him. And oh, no. I'd have to go back and look. I'm sorry. I don't have it all pulled up right now. I didn't plan on going over it. But if you were mentioned in the episode where we announced that the uh, top or the winners of the Creative Juices photo contest we ran, and you had not yet gotten in contact with your host that's uh, for the prize that you won, then please hit us up. You can do it in Facebook. You can look in the show notes and find contact info. I want to make sure everyone gets connected to uh, to their prize, and, uh, and hopefully we can get that done. Maybe it's because... 
the winner of mine doesn't care and doesn't want to have the yeah, who knows the session with me. And we do have record of who that is, so we don't want a flood of hey, yeah, it was me. Yeah, yeah, no, I I definitely <laughs> have it written down. I just don't have it sitting right in front of me while we're recording. Yeah. So yeah, yeah but exactly. I, I just want to make sure we we make every effort to get in contact with them. So if um yeah if you're listening and you know you won the prize to get with me, contact me. I'd love to be able to arrange to to do that. Uh, all right. So I was thinking maybe we'd go over some of the senior portrait shots that I've recently done. I did a really fun one where um, the this is a senior who was a soccer player and poor kid. His so- senior soccer season never happened. And that's rough. I feel bad for him. And I really wanted to make something special. So um, he picked a location here in Salt Lake that has a bunch of really cool uh, wall art like you might call it graffiti, but it's like really cool graffiti. It's really nice art um, that that he wanted in his backgrounds. It's kind of he's a he's an artistic kid too, as well as as an athlete. And um, they had another wall like opposite the wall. The it's like cinder blocks that were painted. <clears throat> Sorry, cinder blocks that were painted. And opposite that, there was like this corrugated graded wall, just gray silver kind of very metallic surface and so i i superimposed his soccer jersey over the top of the wall in one of the photos and uh it was it turned out it was it was really fun to be able to go and and do this and and have some creative shots so maybe another day if if you're interested in kind of my going through that shot uh maybe as just a an episode or doing a tutorial on youtube then you can you can uh, let me know in the show notes for anyone who listens and would like to see that i'll put a, i'll put the image in the show notes but i i think we've spent enough time on this episode and so we'll we'll save it for another day yeah, it looks pretty good. I was I was looking at that and was like, 17, that's got to be his number. And then I was like, <laughs> yes. how did you find that? That just doesn't work. <laughs> and I was like, oh, of course, you did that. that that'll be awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. And uh, let's, so let's go into the doodads of the week. And uh, I'll start off here. Mine is the Magbox. And I used it on this senior portrait shoot. Now, the Magbox has had a little bit of negative publicity. I'll, I'll be honest, there's been some people who have not really liked it. Um, the major complaint has been, uh, well, I've seen kind of two major complaints. The first one was it's not as easy to set up as some other types of gears, uh, octaboxes and softboxes, which is kind of the thing that MagMod is known for is making it so it's a, a really high quality piece of equipment that's super simple to use and just like simplifies the usage. I, I love the MagMod gear that I've been using and the MagBox for me has been the same. It's been really good for me. It's it's helped me to, to create the images that I want and it's in a package that's very reusable to me. The other complaint I heard was um, some of the pieces inside the MagBox, like the umbrella supports i guess you could call i don't know what the real name's supposed to be but you know how because it it like pops open so you have these they're not metal inside the magmox they're plastic um and some people have broken those and there's no way to fix that we've had someone in the facebook group say anyone know how we can get this fixed and he even contacted magmod and they told him that's not covered and his only solution was to buy a new one and they'd give him, I think they gave him a 10% discount on a new one or something, which isn't that much because it's a $300 
um, thing to get that. So that's, that's the other real downside. 300 bucks for a, a softbox is quite a bit. Now you can, obviously there's some that are more expensive than that for sure, but there's some really inexpensive modifiers, softbox modifiers that you can get that are really good too. Uh, I just, the, the thing, the feature I like the very most, there's two of them that are in the mag box, uh, which is, this is not a paid ad for them, by the way. It's just my own experience <laughs> with the product. I'm using it. I'm doing my senior photos with it. Um, it there, there's kind of two features. The first one is it can hold two of my AD200 flashes, my Godox AD200 flashes in the back of it. It's built from the beginning to hold two flashes with the idea that you can you know, have uh, half the recycle time because you're going to put two flashes there. So that's very cool. I love that. And the second thing is that you can really easily gel the the whole softbox, like so, so easy that I, on this senior photo shoot, I switched gels, uh, like every single pose. We tried different gels just to see, get creative looks and have something to play with uh, so that I could do it. And I did a lot where I put in like a CTO gel so I could get the background and environment to look more blue and stuff like that. So it made it super easy. I could be safe and just use normal ungelled softbox light, make sure I got the shot. And then we got creative and tried stuff out. And because of the way the gel system works with the Magbox, it's seconds to switch that out and it's really cool really fun to be able to do that so there's some features i really like it is pretty expensive um it's been worth it to me even as a hobbyist <laughs> to have this um and our clients have just loved it like they were raving that we were i was playing around with this and we'd change the white balance in the shots on the camera so they could see the effect and as i was showing them the photos they're like wow that is amazing that this works like this and it was really fun so anyway there's there's something to check out the magbox if you haven't checked it out then you can go do that okay brent what's your do that Cool. Well, I am going to actually have several doodads, and it's just going to be a shopping list, if you will, of everything it need that you need to make this shoot happen that we just talked about. So I'll probably leave out the big serving spoon and stuff like that. But <laughs> okay. you know, whether it's the the socket we're talking about and the the types of lights I'm talking about and things like that, and if I can come up with a, a couple other ideas of what you could also toss in there. So it'll be just, you know, two or three items. I'm gonna put a link there to an Amazon um it'll be a, a wish list, a public wish list type thing. Uh -huh. And or I'll just put the links directly to those pieces depending on how many it how many it gets. So uh, you'd be able to take a look at that and make sure you have the right stuff so you can make this shoot happen for yourself. Perfect. All right. I love it. That is great. So uh, you can look in the show notes if you need kind of, especially the, that one item to go from the power outlet to the socket so you can have something sure. to put inside. And that's kind of the key thing yeah. I think that nobody's going to have. <laughs> yeah. All right. Probably right. <clears throat> we want to thank everyone for listening so much. Uh, forgive my choking a little bit here. I mean, I mean, my allergies are just killing me. So oh, no. yeah, I'm on all of the allergy medicine, but it's, it's just this time of year, you know, everything's pollinating. So, yeah, <laughs> so it's tough. All right. Masterphotographypodcast.com is the home for the show. Go there for the show notes, a big old show notes button on the main page now. So you should <laughs> never be able to miss where the show notes are at, which I haven't had a question on that since we put that there. So I, I guess nice. it's working. Uh, Facebook group, you can go to master or go to Facebook and 
search for Master Photography Podcast listeners, you'll be able to come right up. You do have to ask to join, and you have to answer that question. If you don't answer the question, we just blatantly are going to just dismiss your request because that shows you're not a listener. We want listeners only. So you can put Jeff or Brent and that will work just great. We'll know you're a listener and we'll let you into the group. Uh, you can find my work over at jsharmanphotos.com or my other podcast is phototacopodcast.com. I'm about to put out a new YouTube video too um, over on my YouTube channel. So you, you'll want to Check that out if you are interested in seeing some kind of tutorial videos. I'm going into um, the Intel Nook. It's the next unit of computing, NUC. It's a very tiny form factor PC, uh, kind of like Mac Mini form factor, um, but it's about half the cost of a Mac Mini, and it's uh, it's probably I'm going to be doing a bunch of testing with it. I think it's going to be a really nice photo editing computer. So that's why I, I bought it and I'm going to be detailing kind of the stuff that's out there. So that'll be coming out to the YouTube channel very, very shortly. You can find my uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter stuff all in the show notes too. Brent, where can people find you? All right. You can find me at my website, which is just my name, brentbergherm.com. And then of course, latitudephotographypodcast.com for my show on travel and outdoor photography. And also for this year, I had some workshops going on up in the Palouse where we're going to do some shoot and print workshops and focus on the post-processing and printing aspect. And I have delayed that. So I want to make sure people know uh, we were looking at mid-June and Washington is starting this process, this phased process thing going on. So I've delayed that to September. We're going to do it in the um, during the Labor Day weekend of September. And I'm also changing the venue where we're going to host it. And I'm going to make it even fewer people. So the limit is five people now. And I still have uh, two or three spots available. So if that's something that anyone's interested in, all the details are there on the website, brentbergherm.com. Excellent. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Love to see your fruit and vegetable photography. So <laughs> love to see those yeah, posts in the in. Facebook group. Yeah, let's, let's bring it on. And I, I hope you all are doing well and staying safe. And we'll see you again in another seven days. 